Morning, everyone. All right. We got these in the mail the other day. If you just a quick one, if you haven't got a compassion child in Indonesia yet, um, there's about oh, more than 50 of families or so that support more than 80 kids in the particular projects in Indonesia. Um, and we've got five kids here who don't have sponsors yet. This particular one's been waiting for more than 230 days. Poor thing. So if you're thinking of sponsoring a compassion child in our projects in Indonesia, we have some kids that are ready to go right now. You can uh, find Dominique afterwards and she'll help you with that. Okay, uh, my name's Danny. If you don't know me, I'm one of the pastors here. We're in 1 John chapter 4 this morning in the second uh, installment in our signposts. Or our, sorry, what used to be our signposts in our, in our DNA as a church. I'll keep looking up here because we've got this big perspex um, a graphic planned here that has these on this wall. And I keep expecting to see it, but it's not landed yet. That has pursuing God, loving the family, growing in generosity, giving our best to the body, living and sharing the gospel. The five aspects of who we are as followers of Jesus here. We are disciples of Jesus. We're making disciples of Jesus. Um, and this is how, these are the markers of our DNA. This is the second one this week. Last week, uh, Pete brought to us pursuing God. Today, we're doing loving the family. First, let's define love because love is uh, one of the most uh, abused words and miscommunicated and misunderstood words in our culture. Now, let's, uh, let's define the biblical definition of love. Um, most of us know John 3.16 which is God's love for us. You know, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Most of us could quote that. Uh, It's a a verse often used to invite people to salvation. That's how much God loved us that he gave up his life for us. But here's another verse that I want us to learn this morning. Just add a one at the start of that. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 16. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. No, it's coming. Thanks, Troy. So we know what love is because Jesus gave up his life for us, so we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. When we say love, and every time I say love in this message here, I'm talking about that love. That is agape. It's the which is a Greek word, which means the love that seeks the, the good of the other despite the cost to myself. The love, that, the love that, it isn't about feeling or about affinity or about affection. It's about a choice to seek the good of the other regardless of how I feel about the situation. It is the selfless um, sacrifice of me for your good. That's love, that's agape. It's this love. We know what love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. We also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Now let's read 1 John chapter 4, starting at verse 7, where he says, Dear friends, or uh, beloved, that is, those I love, like this. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. 
So love doesn't just come from God. God is love. This is the basis of why we should love each other because it's natural for children of God. Um, I had this on the slide. It's not working. If you've got notes and you want to write this down, this is point one. This is the basis of why we should love each other because it's natural for children of God. Um, This is not just something God has on the side. This is his very nature. This is actually stunning and I want to pause on this for a sec. So if people have been in the church for a while, this is cliche. God is love. You will have heard that before. But think about this with me for a second. The one God who made me, who holds my life and all life in his hands, the one before whom I will one day answer for what I do with my life. One day I'll give an account to this God who is supreme over everything and, and holds my every breath in his hand and at his choice. That God, his nature is agape, is selfless love. His, his desire is your good, no matter what it costs him. God is love. The deep motivation within God towards you and I and every single person is love. Gritty, determined, persistent, unending, self-sacrificing, unstoppable love. And when God is in us, when we know God, then it's natural for us to have the same love for our brothers and sisters. Anyone seen um, Kung Fu Panda? Yeah, that's a movie. That's a movie where this panda, big, um, black and white, fluffy, um, fat, you know, and they make an issue of that in the movie, tries to work out um, what his relationship with his dad is. His dad is this little goose. He's trying to work out if he's actually related to the goose that raised him. And everyone can see that it isn't so. It's like um, people who claim to be God's children but don't agape. Everyone can see that it isn't so. There he is. (laughs) So the basis of why we should love one another is that it's natural for children of God. The next compelling reason to love each other is that God loved us first. This is verse 9 of 1 John 4. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Next one, Troy, if you can. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. We should love because God loved us first. Why should I love that person who treats me like that? Well, because God loves you. But they're worse than me. Why do I have to be the one who reaches out first? Because God did that to you. He reached out first. Well, can't I just love the people I'm comfortable with who agree with me? Well, God's love isn't based on the worth of the recipient. 
So let me say that again. God's love is not based on the worth of the recipient. It's based on the nature of God. If we think God loved us because we were in any sense lovable, we're mistaken. He loves us because it's who He is. And we should love each other indiscriminately and completely because it's natural for children of God and because God has shown us this by loving us first. It's so powerful to love first. It's powerful when we quickly and completely forgive those who wrong us. It's powerful when we reach out to help someone who can never repay us. It's powerful when we offer a stranger welcome and inclusion in our circle before we even know them. It's powerful when we sacrifice our money for the sake of others. It's powerful when we don't agree with someone, but we put our judgment aside and really listen to them. Love is powerful. It's the most powerful force in the universe. It's God. So we should love each other because it's natural for children of God to love. We should love each other because God loved us first. And the third compelling reason John gives us for loving each other is that this is how God is seen. God is seen in our love today. Uh, Verse 12, John says, No one's ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. So no one's ever seen God. Uh, God's spirit, uh, if you're writing scriptures down, John 6, 24. God's spirit... God's invisible to us, 1 Timothy 1.17. He lives in unapproachable light that no human has, has or can see in 1 Timothy 6 and 16. Even if God were visible, no one could look upon him and live, Exodus 33.20. And when God appeared to people in the Old Testament, uh, that's what we call theophanies, revelations of God in human guise, uh, they, they were not like actual, God wasn't actually in all of his fullness there. The Revelation account, and there's other apocalyptic literature that reveals images and pictures of God that are awe-inspiring and terrifying and beautiful, but they're only representations of truth about God. No one has ever seen God. And yet, and yet, look at this statement of John here. No one's ever seen God, but he lives here. He lives here if his love is completed in us. You might have perfected in your translation there. The sense is brought to fruition. Yeah, I like the new living rendering, actually. Brought to full expression. He lives here if his love, or in as much as, if you like, his love is brought to full expression in us. Now, John didn't make this up. He heard it directly from Jesus. Jesus said this, John 13, Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. And decades later, John writes, No one's ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. That's the third reason John gives us to love each other, because that's how God is seen in the world today. Now, this isn't a journey any Christian does on their own. Um, I talk to lots of people in this situation. I've got a faith. So I've got a faith. Um, and, and my family, we just, we do, we, we follow Jesus that way. We don't, we're not really in community with any Christians or anything. We just kind of do it um, in our household that way. We're just, we're just learning. We're just trusting the love of God here and we're learning the love of God here. Um, <clears throat> you, that's, that's so incomplete in this Christian journey. 
Because you can't do this on your own or just with people that you like hanging out with. God's love needs a target, needs a recipient. Specifically, it means people that you wouldn't normally care for in your own kind of flesh. It needs people that you, you don't agree with. It needs people that you, that you don't like. To be brought to full expression in us. How does my heart get to be completely full of the love of God when I love others, when I agape others, when I give my time and my money and my pride away to help somebody else for their best? Listen to Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5. You've heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Listen. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. And then verse 47, if you're kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect. Is that word again? Even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Perfect, that is complete, whole. Full of the love of God. This is what Jesus wants for us. Where our hearts are transformed to the point where all we want for others is what God wants for others. That's when we get to completion. When I see a need, I recognize this in myself. My old heart is always asking this question. How's it going to affect me? I see that need, but how's it going to affect me? So you sit with someone, and yours does too. You sit with someone, and they face losing their house. And you're hearing that story, and you're empathizing, and you're going, oh, that's hard. And, and, you know. But inside, I'm thinking, oh, geez, I can't. I don't want to sacrifice my livelihood. to like. So already, I'm thinking, how's this going to affect me? When I look at someone who's difficult, then I think, oh, I'm, if, I, if I even listen to that, that's, gonna be a, that's a thing that doesn't stop. Every week I'm going to hear the same thing over and over. I'm going to get buried in that person's issue. How is this going to affect me? It's the natural inclination of our old heart. Some people are, we find scary. Some people have hurt us in the past and... Our old heart assesses needs on the basis of what is in it for me or what it's going to cost me. But my new heart, the love of God poured into it, is focused not on me but on someone else. The priority is your need. What do you need? And what have I got that can help there? That's the love of God. Imagine being free to love everyone perfectly and without fear. Just if you can do this, if um, some people are not as conceptual in their thinking, but if if you can just imagine for a second, imagine being able to love everybody perfectly and without fear. Imagine being unafraid that anyone could take anything from you. 
Imagine being whole in your person. Imagine being complete with the love of God. It's very exciting. Let's go back to our text, 1 John 4, verse 16. Now listen to this. We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. I'll come back to that. God is love and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect, more complete. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we're afraid, it's for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he loved us first. If we're afraid, it's because we haven't fully experienced his perfect love. This challenged me so much. Have you ever had this experience where you say, Oh God, I thank you for your love. It's all grace and I know I don't deserve anything. And so everyone around me is just as worthy or unworthy as I was. So I just want to extend your love to everybody. And now I'm feeling like I'm filled with the love of God. And so I'm going around loving people and I go, I want to love you and I'm going to help you and I'm going to listen to your need and I'm going to, oh, no, I'm just going to skip you. Have you ever done that? you ever skip people? What's, what's in the skip for you? What is that? Is it, is it past hurts? Can't, can't. Is it is it because somebody wronged you before? Is it because they're just not all scary kind of people? Some people are scary to us. Is it that someone intimidates you? Is it that you don't actually think they're worthy of your consideration or your time or what what's in the skip for you? You know what that skip is? That's a diagnosis of unwholeness incompletion see my heart skips people I recognize this and to love the family like love my family God's saying love my family don't skip anyone don't skip anyone it's not based on the worth of the recipient He's not asking us to assess whether somebody else deserves it or not. Just agape, my people. Love my family. And if your heart's skipping someone, I would very much encourage you to have a chat with your Father in heaven about that because he wants you to be whole. And he wants good for you. And he wants you to be complete. And he wants to perfect his love in you. And he wants you to live without fear. So go to him. And if, and, if, and if you're still struggling and if your heart is still skipping someone in that you don't want to work for their good and you won't and you hold back, 
If your heart is still skipping someone, then go and speak to a trusted friend or a trusted pastor or someone and and pray with them and ask God to make your heart more complete. There's something that God wants for us in this. Paul prays this in his first letter to the Thessalonian church in 1 Thessalonians 3. May the Lord make your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow. Don't you love that? Grow and overflow. Again with the concepts, but imagine that you had so much like just desire for the good of others that it was just bubbling over in you. And the direction is all this way. So you're not thinking about what can anyone take from me because you've got so much to give because this infinite resource of love is coming from God to you, to others, which is the, direct, you know, which is the flow here. Which is, none of this comes from us. None of us can agape. We don't have that kind of love. God has that love and he wants to pour it into our hearts um, by his spirit. And, and that kind of picture of I'm so full that I'm just bursting with selflessness towards other people. Uh, And I know many of you have experienced this and experience this on a daily basis where it's almost joyous when you see someone who doesn't even consider themselves a worthy recipient and you just pour love into that space. It's just a very godly thing. And it's so joyous to our hearts. And most of you will know this. You know, when you don't want, when your old self doesn't want to be generous, but then God prompts you and you go, okay, and you sacrifice and you give something away, don't you just feel God? Don't you just know that was God? Oh. And when you don't want to include someone in your circle, but you just, God says, I want you to. And so you open up and you let someone in and you go, oh, you can feel a little bit more wholeness in your life. A little bit more trust in the love of God in those spaces where you just surrender what you want and you trust God's love. It's a good thing for us. For our freedom, for our wholeness. And there's such a hunger inside and outside the church. There's such a hunger for wholeness, for completion. And people don't walk around saying, I want completion, you know, that way. But people are lost and empty and wondering what the point of everything is. And when they see a little bit of agape, which is indelibly God and impossible without God, when they see Christians loving each other with the selfless love of God, when they see that, something sparks in their life and they're drawn, if they're hungry for God, they are drawn to that because that is God. People want Completion. People want to be whole. People want perfection. That is inside every human heart. And, and it's God's advertisement to everyone who's hungry out there. God's advertisement is the way Christians agape each other. And only the love of God can do that. Loving the family, it's an issue of the heart. We'll love each other in as much as we're surrendered to God's love. 
through us. Part of my job is to teach you that. Another part is to organize things in our church family to make it easier for us uh, to love each other. And in a family the size of ours, we need, we need systems that help us to love each other. We need integration, like helping new people get into the church. We need good life groups and, um, and a network that way. A life group is the premier way that we get to experience this, a smaller community, because it's hard to experience the agape love of God in a big group like this. And we need smaller groups where, where we know each other better and we can really um, love each other selflessly. And so we need good life group leaders and support for those and we need good material that we're studying and all, that, um, all those things. And we need good pastoral care in our church too. That is, um, we, need a, we need organization so people know where the needs are and that we get the right kind of resources directed to the needs. And we've, we've, we're good in some systems and we're struggling in others and we're trying to tidy up those systems across the life of the church. Um, Keith and Sheila are leading a team that are looking at our whole pastoral care review. Uh, they're doing a review of our pastoral care and, and how we get that system working well. And I'm excited about where we're going to land in that space. Um, Leanne's across our life groups. We're working on our uh, integration. Communication is the other thing that really, really helps us to love each other that way because if we don't know what's going on, how do we know what's going on, right? So... Um, we've got resources dedicated to that now too. Anyway, that'll play out um, across this year. Because that's important. Um, and some of the reason we're doing that uh, is because, like I said to you a few weeks ago, when I asked God, what do you want for me? What do you want for me? What do you want for me? And God said to me very clearly, love my family, twice. Love my family. So part of it for me is making sure our systems work well. But God didn't say, fix that system. Because he wasn't speaking to our system. He was talking to my heart. So if you look at that, that part of our DNA that says loving the family and your mind goes anywhere but your own heart, you're in the wrong place. We're followers of Jesus. We want his DNA. We want to learn to love with his love. We can have the best systems in the world and no agape. You could walk into a church building. Someone could greet you at the car park. They could shake your hand. They could be, you, know, you could get up here. You could get the welcome here. Here's our pack. Here's a free coffee. You know, we'll wash your car while you're here. Whatever. You could walk in here. Who are the new people? That's me. And you could get handed your thing. You could get an organized call from the organized team who ring you on a Tuesday and invite you to an organized group that's all been set up for new people like that. You could be very cared for organizationally and have no agape. We ring people for um, life groups. New people, yeah, I want to join a life group. And Leanne's in charge of all that. So she calls people, would you like to be in a life group? Yes, I would. Well, what about this one? Here are your options. And it's all very kind of loving um, that way and, and occasionally that works well people kind of land that way but you know what's better when you ring someone they've only been here two weeks and you go you know have you, um, have you, you know, you've, you've ticked here that you wanted to be in a life group oh it's alright I started last week because Donna just invited me I met her in church and we had a coffee and she said she'll come to ours I go yes so let me equip you with two questions. Whenever you're meeting anyone and you don't know if they're in a life group or not across the life of our church, 
You ask them this, have you found your way into a life group yet? Next question, would you like to come to ours? You might need to talk to your group about that first. (laughs) Or challenge your group about that first. And if you want to say our group's full, you can talk to me about that later. Or talk to God about that. You got enough, God? Have we done now? You know, like a. So, have you found your way into a life group yet? Would you like to come to ours? Let's be those people who are just radical in our love for each other. But we don't know what we're getting. No. But love doesn't care about the cost. It just wants the best for others. If you found your way into a life group yet, would you like to come to ours? Okay, back to our hearts. John gives us these reasons to love each other in summary. God is love. It's only natural for children of God. God loves us first. It flows that way. Him to us, to others. God is seen in our love for each other today. And God's love completes us. It completes us. That's, um, but just believing that in my head isn't enough. I said we'd come back to this verse 16. We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. Do we trust the love of God? Do I trust the love of God? Do you trust the love of God? I thought we'd finish by just saying 1 John 3 and verse 16 together. It's not a hard one to remember, actually. Um, Out loud, and not like, you know, but out loud. um, Just affirming this truth let's just say this together we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us so we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters let's do it again we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us so we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters let's pray Father, thank you for this incredible freedom and joy and life that comes to us when you fill our hearts, when we surrender to your ways. Help us to love the family. And Father, there are people here that we struggle to love. And right now, God, give us your love for them. Please give us your love for them. God, please give us your love for them. In Jesus' name, amen.